All right. Greetings and happy Wednesday, or actually happy Tuesday. This is the Desiree Show on Dash Radio, First Downs and Flip Tricks, and it is the ninth day of April. Uh, today in studio, I'm super hyped to welcome someone who I call a friend. He's touched all of us in the skateboarding community. Uh, he's a skate legend. He's a skate icon. 1989 world champion freestyler. A be, man. Be, be careful what you say about the whole touching people. Well, that whole yeah, I know. No, yeah. No. He doesn't touch, touch. Okay. He just he he um, he morphs. Or I. Uh, okay, we're gonna reset on that. There was this is like <laughs> no no me too shit. <laughs> Uh, so I won't say that you've also, well, you have, you, you've, you've given skateboarding so much, um, your presence and your special touch. And I don't mean that physically. I mean that in majestically and in your, your presence, uh, to pretty much any skateboarder out there and any skateboarder coming up right now, because they are, they're feeling what you have helped create. Wow. Um, yeah, you're an icon. Fresh as own. <laughs> a staple in skateboarding for the over three decades. Man. We won't uh, say exactly how long, because I know age becomes a factor here. Um, you just truly impacted skateboarding, uh, molding and shaping the iconic brands, uh, obviously with Etnies and Soltec. I mean, all of Soltec's umbrella companies, uh, all the way even to uh, Sheep, um, obviously S and Etnies <laughs> and America and Thirty Two and and Altamont, and I might be thinking forgetting one. Um, I ask member, he's a husband, he's a father of two, and he's also that crazy skater that skated on the 405 freeway. (laughs) Uh, he's got an impeccable gift of taking photos and, uh, uh, and just the most amazing wit, I think, and one of the smartest and funniest people I know, uh, an animal lover and a goofy Virgo, uh... Actually, you're setting up your own webinar, I heard, on photos and captions for IG users. What am I doing? And <laughs> no other than Mr. Don Brown. Oh, hi. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Second best day of my life. Second day. What was the first day? Getting married to it, Paulina? Well, there's always that, but it, I'm hoping it might be today, so Oh. I just want to leave it open a little bit. Okay, well, I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you so grew up uh, grew up in Brighton. Yep. Let's ta- right, talk right about let's let's talk about this is city close it's in the south it's in Sussex uh, this is close to the sea it's about forty five minutes from London is that correct Yeah you've done your homework uh, Tell us a little bit about growing up in uh, in in Brighton Brighton um, so yeah grew up in Brighton that's you weren't right. expecting that's that it. question were you really. No I mean can but you no, tell us no, a little so bit you know for someone who hasn't been there can you paint some somewhat of a picture of what it was so you know Anything similar to the states, or oh no, nothing, nothing like the states. But um, it's, I mean, basically, it's a nice little island off the coast of France that rains all the time, is windy and miserable, and everyone used to be really sad and depressed all the time. So it's really good growing up there. Um, but I'm, I'm the youngest of five, so I was the youngest kid that kind of got ignored by the parents. You know what I mean? So I, that's where I had to do my own thing and like, you know get the hand-me-downs from the rest of the family or the clothing, which is kind of awkward when you've got three sisters, you know, so I had to wear a dress at a young age. <laughs> <coughs> so you're, I haven't seen any of those flashback photos no. yet on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> but it, was, it wasn't pink or anything, so it was okay. It was a blue dress. I'm going to have you move that up. That worked. There we go. But, um, it was a blue dress. Yeah, it was a blue dress. Okay. Just what, like a um, cobalt blue or like a baby blue? Uh, I'm, I'm more of a baby blue. <laughs> baby blue? Yeah, based on... Kind of like your eyes? Exactly. Exactly. But, um, yeah, so just growing <laughs> up in England, just being a kid, you know what I mean, and then found skateboarding. My brother actually found a skateboard at the park mm-hmm. in, in 1976. He said he found it anyway, you know, the old, I found it. Uh-huh. And then uh, I kind of took it over and pretty much rode it until the wheels fell off, which they actually did fall off because they're like little rubber wheels with uh, ball bearings. It's called uh, a surf flyer skateboard. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so I, I rode that and then did that through probably 79 in England was the big fad, like the big boom for skateboarding. Mm-hmm. So then um, my sisters got skateboards and I stole those pretty much. Um, so I never actually bought a skateboard. I've actually ha- haven't really bought many skateboards in my life. Oh, you have? Okay, because I was going <coughs> to ask you because I, I you inferred that you hadn't. Uh, I haven't. So, okay. No, but it's just because I always borrowed everything. So I was because I never really had any money or anything. So I'd always borrow everything from everyone else. And and then, uh, yeah, then in, in, in at the end of 79, like 80, that skateboard just crashed. It just 
completely vanished in in England. And then it was just kind of one of those things that you couldn't really find skateboards anywhere, and it was just kind of dead. So I just did the normal kid stuff, riding a bike or whatever, you know, just doing kid stuff. And then any fishing. Uh, only no, because I didn't it's fish. well, <laughs> no. You said it was like, an island, and it's you know, it's on, it's close to, it's on the coast, and yeah, yeah. It's I, I didn't fish. There's a lot of other people that fished, but um, in '81, um, I saw a friend at a video arcade, <coughs> and he was uh, he was playing asteroids, or we were all playing asteroids or whatever, right? The, you know the video game, mm-hmm. and and he had this this cable, and it was a wider one. It was a Steve Caballero um, snub nose, I think it was, and. Uh, with the big cubic threes and trackers and six track copers and all this stuff. And I was like, wow, the thing looks pretty insane. So I asked him if I could borrow it and then kind of took off. And I just actually took off for like two hours. Like, cause I was just like, wow, this thing is amazing. It's a whole different side of skating than what was there before. Mm-hmm. And then on my way, I was like, um, I actually stopped. There was a kid skating at the beach, which was kind of random because I hadn't really seen that many people skating it during that time. Um, and there was a guy skateboarding on the beach doing all this freestyle stuff, doing handstands, 360s, old school kickflips, all this stuff. And I just kind of just sat there mesmerized because I'd never really seen that before. And so that kind of was weird because it left a really deep impression with me. Like, holy shit, this is amazing. There's a lot of things you can do on a skateboard. And then so I went back, gave him the board back, and he was kind of pissed off. He was waiting all the time. Yeah, and he <laughs> sucked to asteroids. So, you know, there's only so long you can <laughs> hang out on that last little asteroid and try and you know shoot he only had a few quarters <laughs> yeah exactly. or not even quarters he had a, <laughs> some, uh, that was a, it was probably like 10p back then okay <laughs> in english money um but yeah so that was kind of my reintroduction to skateboarding and then it kind of just went from there and then i got reintroduced to this whole other crew of skateboarders at my school and everything but again it's like there was probably five to ten people max that skateboarded in brighton mm-hmm. and then in the whole of england there was probably like 50 so it was like really small. There's one skate shop in London. Actually, there was one shop in Brighton, but there were all the skateboarders there basically started stealing stuff. And then the shop just went out of business. So it's kind of like Easter Island. It just <laughs> killed themselves. But then, you ever thought of opening up a shop <coughs> called Easter Island? <laughs> no, that's a good idea. That's kind of how it is today. But oh. um, yeah, so that's kind of how I got back into it. But that's kind of how I grew up in Brighton. So then it become became also like I just... I'd go surfing out there because you'd see like the magazines like Action Now mm-hmm. or whatever, and it'd be like, oh, surfing, skateboarding. It would just be something that whole live in the California culture, but in freezing cold, windy, wet weather it was really miserable. So that was kind of the, the whole grown up thing okay. out in Brighton. I remember a good article too in Action Now uh, <coughs> with Dwayne and Chris Barkley. Um, I just dated myself as well. You so did. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that Thrasher article when they went to the party in Huntington or in Dana Point and uh, and they dressed up like girls because it was <laughs> all surfers. Anyways, I am going to stop dating myself. Um, <laughs> if you're just tuning in, I'm joined by Don Brown. You can follow him on Instagram at Don underscore Brown. And if you did just tune in, you can always just switch off or change no, the channel. I don't <laughs> think so. This is really boring. Not for, even. For you guys. I'm going to kill you guys. No. Um, so surfing never came up on the radar then? Surfing? No, I love, I love surfing. But in Brighton, it's like you'd have to go surfing when there's a, after a false 10 girl, which is pretty much a hurricane. Do you know what I mean? And then because it's not like it's tucked in in the English Channel. Yeah, it's nice and so, warm in that yeah. English Channel too, right? Nice yeah. and warm water. <laughs> yeah, warm from all the, like the nuclear chemicals and pee and everything else in there. But yeah, it was, uh, it was, but it, but, it, but it, when you don't know anything better, you know, that's the way it is. And it was some of the best times and best memories of my life with going out when it's snowing or freezing cold or whatever and just to do it, just to get out of the house and get away from everything, you know. And then going skateboarding when no one else was skateboarding and everyone would look at you like, what are you doing? You're, you're too old for that. You know what I mean, even though you're like 15 or whatever, they're looking at you going, why the, is so old go get a job kind of thing so so yeah so growing up in brighton brighton was called pig city because um it had one of the the the, the biggest issues with the police so the police would always be busting all the skateboarders in the 70s so it has this whole heritage of pig city oh okay and it was kind of named after the 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 dog town kind of era obviously of england Uh and brighton was always known as the the rowdiest group of skateboarders in the UK and they probably still are today but um anywhere we went when there was a contest up at Crystal Palace or in Farnborough or wherever um you'd always know when the Pig Sea crew had been there because everything was just thrashed it's pretty much thrashed and demolished and someone left with something 
they didn't plan on getting. But yeah, it's just uh, it was definitely crazy times. It was fun. Ian Deacon from Flip Skateboards is mm-hmm. one of the guys I grew up with. Um, you got Nick and, and Smeg and just this whole crew. Um, so it was interesting. So in probably about '83, Ian. So Ian, this is the best thing because Ian Deacon, as you know, from Flip Skateboards, mm-hmm. um, wasn't Flip back then. He had an he didn't, he didn't have a company at that time, but he used to work for British Telecom, which is a phone company. So he would go through Thrasher Magazine and call up all the different companies that are in Thrasher Magazine. And a lot of times people would actually pick up and he got, he created a good, really good relationship with and friendship with uh, Jeff Newton, mm-hmm. who was the owner of Zorlax Gables. So if you can think about it today, it's the same as just calling up Element and talking to Johnny Schiller. Do you know what I mean? And then Johnny going, hey, come out and stay at my house. No problem or whatever, do you know what I mean? And that's what happened. And so Jeff Newton's like, yeah, just if you guys come out, just let me know and I'll take care of you. So then Ian was kind of the ringleader. He was the guy that had the, the he was just, he's a smart guy. So he was the one that we all kind of looked up to. And he, um, it was one of those things where like, hey, let's all go to America and then go hang out. So of course, like all 10 people in Brighton were like, yeah, let's go, let's go. And it pretty much boiled down to like three guys. It was me, Deacon, this, this guy, Smeg. And then this other guy, Nick, joined us afterwards. But, um, yeah, we basically had a one-way ticket to uh, Newark, New Jersey, September 3rd, uh, 1984. Mm-hmm. And then we got a one-way ticket, um, actually a ticket, a Greyhound pass down to um, Texas. Like Texas, yeah, Dallas, in that area. And then uh, when we got to the, the Greyhound station, Jeff Phillips picked us up from the Greyhound station, which is kind of the same as being picked up by Tony Hawk. Yeah, right? no, time, totally. Yeah, Phillips is a man. So it's just, it's pretty surreal. That's how small skateboarding was. It wasn't, everyone was just skateboarders and it wasn't about being pro, am, flow, whatever. You're just a you skateboarder. You're a skater, yeah. You're part of a family. And um, you could tell who skated by their shoes. For sure, yeah. I mean, and <clears throat> this, you know, um, you also just uh, spoke on, you know, uh, you know, calling up and, and skateboarding was kind of like that, though. I mean, and I think it probably still is in some regards, but I don't feel like it's the same where it was just like you're on a road trip, like you met people at a park, you were welcome to crash at their houses. Yeah. Um, you know, they were friends immediately. Yeah. Um, you know, that you would just go like on missions and trust and know that it would work out. I don't know. It's a weird like it was I don't know how because I, I the same thing was for me, you know, Jody and Jen and I would go on road trips or Carabeth and I and always they're always worked out you know yeah it's it's and it's still like that today but just on a different scale i think um and and depending on where you go but and how many people have you had to stay because we've had i remember aaron and we would have like guys that would come from all over the world and stay at our house and then i became having a like a a two-day limit maximum (laughs) okay no kyle berard you have to get off the couch today like you cannot sit on the couch all day if we're gonna go skate or do something get off the couch um, but no, but you know, of like having how many, how many think you've had at your uh, home over know. the decades? Like usually, Thousands? like usually riders would leave a skateboard, like their pro board or whatever at the, at the house would give you a board or whatever. And so I'd probably got over a hundred skateboards. So it's probably over a hundred for sure. But, but we used to let, so there's different phases of where I lived. I used to live with Paul Schmidt, the, you know, from PS sticks mm-hmm. for a while when I felt like the first place I actually got. And then, um, there's a chicken from screen squeegees yeah. and, uh, Pocket pistols and all that stuff, and then is it pocket pistols? I'm trying to say. Yeah, now it is. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Is that the name of it? But anyway, um, yeah. So it's just like between that, we'd always have the skate house with a mini ramp and just like beer cans everywhere and just living that skate life, right? Just like all you cared about is skateboarding. So it's just like the house wasn't. It was just somewhere to like sleep for a couple of hours and then get back out and either drink beer or go skate or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or both. Yeah, or both. So, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the. That transition, but yeah, so the landing in Texas, hanging out in, in in Texas for a while with all the the Texas guys. Those guys are just again, it's 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 interesting because Texas is probably similar to um, Brighton in that in the, as far as in that in the, in the way that when people from Texas were at an event or whatever, you would know they were there because it was like something was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh, yeah. So Phillips actually, so he he saw me skateboarding at this older band, this um, this building construction site that I found some concrete, or whatever. And I I used to skate everything, but I just used to freestyle because it was just like there wasn't much to skate in England, like transition wise or anything. Mm-hmm. It wasn't skate parks. Um, so Phillips saw me skating, and he just got me sponsored by Sims. So then 
that was kind of crazy because there was no intention of ever being sponsored. And it was just like he got me sponsored by Sims for freestyle. And then we had four more days left on Greyhound Pass. So then we ended up going to California, lived in Del Mar Skate Ranch, um, went down to Vision, picked up boards. Brad Dorfman took me into going from from Sims into Vision. Mm-hmm. Um, I always wanted to ride for Sims, and then he was like, no, Vision's going to be the shit. you got to ride for, for Vision. And I was like, no, it's kind of wacky. It's like all these weird animal prints and stuff and weird looks. And I was just, Sims is what we grew up with. But then I realized later that he was licensing the Sims name. So it wasn't his. He didn't own it. He owned Vision. So then he was going to blow Vision up. So it was actually the better move that I, I, I went with Vision. So yeah. Kind of that little story, if that makes sense. No, yeah, it's cool. Because I want to step backwards because I wanted to ask you how much do you remember how much your plane ticket was to the States? It was 99 pounds. Okay. And and a five day Greyhound pass. But it was a one way ticket too. So, yeah, but usually now one ways are almost more expensive as a a round trip. Yeah, and one way, not as much, but I mean, they're. Yeah, and one way ticket for a tourist is impossible to get now too because they want a return to get you the hell out of there. But immigration was a lot easier back then too. In 1989, you know, you, Moonster, I mean, yeah. which is, I, I'm grateful I've been able to go, I, you know, back in the late 90s um, for all those contests in the early 2000s, even when it moved to Dortmund. Um, but first of all, obviously, you you are, you became champion in Moonster, 10 grand. I think I figured, yeah, I, good I googled the, I googled the, uh, the Deutschmark. I think it was like 1.781, pretty high actually for looking at the decade. Uh, so you made about 17 grand American, a little, I mean, plus. Yeah. Um, but how, I mean, but first of all, let's go back and to I think that they contest. Paid that cash too, because it's like, wow. I, I think they're probably trying to do some weird tax scam, you know, Titus or whatever. So it's like, here's cash. <laughs> As we was wearing his leather trousers. <laughs> <laughs> Typical German style. Full but, German style. But yeah, that was kind of crazy. Because again, it's like, I had no, I've never had any intentions of like being sponsored or winning the world championship or anything like that. It was just something, it's all this stuff just happened for me, just purely through the love of skateboarding. I made you a little trophy. Um, wow, but I, I want to see your trophy. What does your trophy look like? Oh, well, shame. Amazing. I don't know how amazing it is. <laughs> oh, this? Like uh, this one? No, your, you know, your Munster, you know, like... You know what's funny is I actually think I saw it the other day, and it's just this big metal thing. It looks like a, a World War II shell that dropped on England and didn't go off. Oh, they, no. <laughs> they, Thank goodness it didn't. you didn't realize no, that when you got it. I'll, I'll send you a picture. It's, like, kind of crazy. And then it's got, like, a little... It has something like this. It's, oh, got, really? a little, it's got a little plastic skateboard on top that oh, is really? spray-painted gold. Oh, I was going to, <laughs> but it was a last-minute thought, and I couldn't... It wouldn't have dried. Yeah. It would have smelled been sticky when I yeah. got here. And it's, like, on top of, like, a, a mortar shell or something oh. that had just been dropped out of a Messerschmitt into England, and they recovered it and put it, made it as a trophy. Just, uh, just because. Yeah. Now there's an interesting cool. story too because Ma- Rodney Mullen was also skating this contest, but was no, actually in the, oh he no, was I, no, in the restroom. No, I, no, something yeah. to that effect. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I gave him some stuff that you know he couldn't enter the contest. You know, I had to drag him up a little bit. Visine. Yeah, visine. In his, <laughs> in his, in his, Red food diet number five. Yeah, in his diet water or whatever he was drinking at the time. But um, no, Rodney, Rodney wasn't at that concert. I don't know why, what the deal was. There's something going on, but he's the best. You know, I mean, the contest is just kind of stupid. Um, like no, I don't know. I mean, I the best, the best is the best is whoever is the best that day. But when someone's but, not I mean, there, yeah, so at the end of the day, no. it's like it's it's an, it's nice to have. You know yeah. what I mean? But it's just, but it's also just you know in your mind who's better. Well, it doesn't matter. He wasn't there, so you, and same, you were, and you did skate, and yeah. you won. I mean, no, and I'm but and Rodney rules within that. Within a, a whatever a minute or two minutes or whatever you yeah. got, do you know what I mean? Just being best in that time. So I think the only way that maybe I did deserve it is because I was out till probably three or four o'clock at the Odeon drinking uh-huh. the night before when okay. no one else was. Oh, okay. So that makes me. Feel You're bringing that Brighton bit with you to yeah. Germany. So that's a little bit like a handicap, you know. You got to have and have to skate with a hangover. Yeah. Well, it easy. worked for your advantage. Yeah. And do you remember Munster? It's like everyone used to smoke in there. Yeah. And the whole place would be like pack of cigarettes just and they would serve um like room temperature sparkling water yeah 
It was, and everybody going to the sweating in their asses off and like drinking and just going, oh, this is like bubble water. No gas, no gas. Come on, Titus. It was pretty amazing. And then I mean, being, I don't know. Maybe you guys had a, this was like early, this was late '90s, so maybe yeah. the, you know, you maybe had regular water at that point. Yeah, I I can't even remember, but yeah, it was pretty sketchy. And then I think that might have been the year. Pretty incredible though, really. Yeah, I think that's the year that Gator fell out the window when he was on drugs mm. and almost killed himself. And then that another time, like, it might have been the night before or whatever, but um, I came back to the hotel pretty late after the, the, the bar or whatever, and I saw Steve Schneer and Gator completely naked wrestling the guy behind the, the reception. I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. At the, at the Hassa House? No, I can't. Like, I swear, <laughs> if, if, you, if we had like cameras on our phones back then, like, it, it's, we, I don't know, it's yeah, there'll probably be a lot of people in trouble, but there'll probably be a lot of superstars from the viral kind of activity that would come from that because it was it was mayhem back then. It wasn't it was like today. You can feel that sense of people are kind of professional now. They don't not all the riders go out at night and drink before the contest, but back then it was just like mayhem. It was like it was skateboarding. You know, I mean, it was it was raw and it was it was. Uh, I, I, it, like you're saying, you never had the intent. I think, which is same, yeah, keeps the same feeling of what you're saying is that you never had the intent of turn, of getting sponsored, of of you know competing in a contest or winning a contest and becoming world champion. Yeah. I mean, you just skate it because you love skateboarding. Exactly, that's the. And I think that's you know the rawness and you know and and you won and you probably had to buy everybody drinks. Yeah. With the money you won, yeah. or maybe you hid and you didn't so. buy anybody drinks. I don't Probably. know. I can't remember. Because if you had cash, that would be dangerous. It would. I can't remember. Did you bust out that blue dress though? I want to ask if uh, when um, you saw Gator and um, and Snare. Well, at that point, the blue dress because I'd, <laughs> I'd wash it so much, <laughs> it, it'd, it'd turn more gray. So it wasn't as <laughs> wasn't as vibrant. It wasn't as crazy. No. Not that beautiful baby down. blue. Yeah. It's kind of like doing your uh, your laundry in Prague <laughs> for like three hours when it turns everything into like that gray blue. Has yeah. that ever happened to you? No. Okay, yeah. No, it must be you. Yeah, we did our laundry in Prague one year in, uh, I want to say 98 and uh, 99. Yeah. And um, everything, it was the longest washing cycle I've ever heard in my life. It wow. took like two hours, I think, and everything, Aaron and my clothes were all muted like gray blue but not pretty like really just dirty wow yeah it sounds really attractive it was sounds really, really awesome that's we're why Aaron just married you it's just like, like I just look so hot in this in this, <laughs> <laughs> that's this horrible ugly <laughs> gray blue you know no. it's funny like when you talk about Prague it's funny you just mentioned the money thing because I went to Prague <laughs> later on probably like in the 90s for the the, the Czech whatever the was that Mystic Cup Mystic Cup and I couldn't believe how kind of kind of ghetto it is there. Like there was a Hilton, but I'm not sure if it was really Hilton. And there was like prostitutes in the lobby, and it was like I tried getting money out of an ATM, and but the hotel wouldn't take credit cards, so you had to pay cash. So then I had all these team riders from S American Etnies there that I was taking care of, and I had to get rooms for them, and they didn't take credit cards, so I had to go to the ATM and get cash like every day as much as I could to like load up on money. Oh wow! And then the next day. Or one of the days later on, when I had the most money I'd ever had in my pocket once to pay for the hotel, I went with uh, McCrank and Templeton and this whole crew up to the top of the castle thing. Up yeah, there, yeah. Where you bus. take the gondola? Like, there's also a gondola to get up there too. I didn't. Okay, I, yeah, yeah. I didn't see that one. I would have taken that if I knew. But so we get in the bus. We waiting for the bus. We we the bus turns up. Everyone goes ahead, and then these two guys like get in front of me. Oh. And I'm trying to get on the bus, and they and they they like not let me on. I'm like, hey, hey, get out of the way. And the bus starts revving the engine to go and I'm like starting stressed because I didn't want to lose the rest of the crew, right? So then eventually I get on and, and everyone gets on the bus or whatever and then I realize I didn't have my wallet. And, and then you realize, oh, shit. So basically what it is, they get in front of you, so you're pushing up against them, they de desensitize you. You know what I mean? Because you're just trying to push and all you're focused on is getting on the bus. Meanwhile, someone grabs your wallet and then they, they do another. And there's like, because they're gypsies and they pass it. They say, put it a handkerchief, they pass it to another gypsy. And they, that way, and they pass it through like ten different people. So you, even if you thought that you someone did it, they, you'll never find it because it's already gone. It's through multiple hands within you within seconds. It's no, crazy. It, it, no, it happened to. I was with Molly Halterman, and we went on the subway one day to go shopping, and and I 
you know, I would, you know, my ring inward, my, you know, I took my Gucci watch off. I mean, I always kind of was sort of smart not to show any um, Gucci watches for my parents. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, right. but no, I mean, She's but, rich. you know, to, you know, I was a skater, but I, I didn't flaunt any, I just, anyways, and they all, we're in, in this car. And the next thing I know is this, that Molly's getting swallowed up by like seven guys around her. Wow. And I was like, oh shit. And I kind of, I tried to grab her and I couldn't. And this man actually who was in with us pulled her out and helped us. But that's what they were doing is they were going to do the same thing. That's yeah. crazy. That you just, and that happened in and Prague that's the as only well. Time, yeah, it's the only, for me, because I'm pretty street smart. You know? Yeah, no, me too. But if, like, I, that's heavy. Ever since that, now I know. I mean, it's like, okay, it's all about deceiving and like creating distractions and all this different stuff. And you're like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it was like it, looking at back at it now, it's like pretty genius their strategy of how they do it. Mm. But at the time, I was just like so depleted. So I was just like, I just lost all the money that I had for all the hotels. I can't even remember how I got the money for the hotels after that. But We way. had an apartment. Like, we rented an apart- apartment, and then I remember going grocery shopping. Jai and I and Diego, I think, went grocery shopping, and it was kind of brutal. Yeah. But no, I mean, like, like we were getting hit by older ladies and young ladies, like, to, to the by the bread and... Or like, is that sugar or is that salt? Like, oh, you know, um, yeah. but but amazing, amazing city. And yeah, that sure. Prague skating community place. and the, oh, you know, sure. they're such so welcoming Thomas that. Thomas and the whole crew, right? Uh, that's amazing. an amazing crew. Yeah. All right, so let's, uh, we're going to, we're going to step back. Um, okay, so Brighton, oh, Romford. What, because Romford's Romford. been, when did Romford come? Uh, Romford was how far away from you? Because that's closer to, that's up, like, like northern, uh, yeah, right? Yeah, more in London, but I was, Crystal Palace and Farmer were the places okay. that I didn't. I didn't. I, nev- I didn't really. Ha- I didn't have any money when I was younger, so I didn't really. How did you get the money for your plane flight ticket? I worked at a supermarket in the warehouse okay. for like a year or something, and then I came to the U.S. with like so. It, so I for after a year, I guess I I I, I saved about four hundred pounds, which is not much, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> in looking at in retrospect, but then that's I was probably getting ripped off and taken advantage of, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's just like that's how much money I had to take it. So I had the the plane ticket for ninety nine, you know, whatever, hundred pounds, and then three hundred dollars in my pocket to to come to America. So that went pretty fast after so many Denny's Grand Slams. You can only eat so much. <laughs> it's your birthday you know? only only went only, <laughs> only twice a month. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. So it's like yeah, we used to sleep on the beaches, sleep at just anywhere we could sleep. Highballs at, at Delmar's Ski Ranch. Mm-hmm. It was. Brian Ridgeway used to live in yeah. the top one. We, me, Deacon, and everyone else would sleep in the bottom high boards. Like high boards of trampolines. Uh-huh. But it's, it sucks. If someone needs to get wake up in the night to go pee or whatever, it's like Everybody the whole trampoline would, would, like, you'd roll into the middle, do you know what I mean? It's like, and then you'd get bitten by mosquitoes. It'd be like... Back to the blue dress. But, um, know, no, right? sorry. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no. So that's the next no, phase of how I start making money. <laughs> <laughs> you did mention something about that in Prague. <laughs> oh, shit. Sure, or, wait, yeah, that was Prague. Um, well, okay, and, and I want to I'm going to step back quickly once again, too, because I want to ask, like, how was, how, what did it feel like when you won Moonster? I mean, that's pretty amazing. That's it a was, big contest. It was kind of weird because I didn't expect it. I didn't even know it was I'm, I was kind of oblivious. I just skated. And so I didn't even You're really still know. You're so hungover, you said. But yeah. It was just, but yeah, it was just, I was kind of, I don't know, it's kind of, it's a weird excitement and nervousness at the same time. Like, mm-hmm. I really, I'm not made, I'm, I'm not that good at communication, communicating emotions. So it's like, it was weird because I could feel this internal battle of trying to be excited and being nervous and all this stuff to where weird shakes were coming out from weird places on my face, but I <laughs> didn't, couldn't control it, if that makes sense. That's cool. But yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. I mean, because that's a big, that contest is huge because I remember kids would come from all over the world, yeah. like from Turkey. They would take the train in to come, you know, and I think, and I don't know if that was the case at that time, um, but skateboarding was big at that time as well, so I'm assuming that they were because I know in the yeah. late 90s, 2000s, kids came from all over Europe and it was... They were so excited just to see their favorite skaters skate, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that's. I mean, I, I remember there was a, a one of the, the one of the best freestyle skaters in England, Shane Rouse. He came up to me after. He goes, "Shit, you're the first person to like first English guy to win the World Championships." But I didn't really think about that. You know what I mean, again, it's like something that 
it's it's not that meaningful of yeah, I mean um, it's mm. not something I'd really set out to do and just it's the contest to me are more about seeing friends and people from around the world that you haven't seen for a long time yeah. having a good time and that was more important than how you did in the contest yeah and I think that's probably the same for a lot of people still today but you just don't see them because they don't make the cut anymore it's changed a lot, <laughs> you know a um and so I'm gonna we're gonna see from we're gonna fast forward again to Texas Texas Greyhound to California. Um, you are probably privy to seeing the country, um, like many of us have not. Yeah, that's pretty sketchy. On the Greyhound, some no, but I mean, like to see, there. like you know, that's a kind of a cool, you know, like you didn't have to drive. Yeah. Um, you get to California. What What's it like? What happens when you get to California? Um, it's, it's really just it was just hanging out down Mosque Ranch. And okay, then, and, and that's Grant? Where, did you stay at yeah, Grant's that's, house? Yeah, that's where we got to know Grant Britton okay. and Dave Swift okay. and Billy Ruff, okay. Alan Losey, like all the Delmar locals, Adrian, Adrian Domain. So again, it's Delgado. like... Delgado? Yep, that whole crew. But it's like, that's that same thing where they would help drive us around to, the, to spots or whatever and get us around. But then I entered a contest um, one of the, in the reservoir um, and... It's funny because I got beat. I, I, again, I wasn't really a contest skater either. I just, again, I just like skating birds, so I didn't do that good. But I remember getting beaten by April Hoffman. Uh-huh. Just, I said, I just got beaten by a girl. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. Well, no, but, but I that's, I mean, step yeah. It up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get Because she only had three tricks and I had four. <laughs> that means I really messed it up. Oh, no. But no, April's amazing. But, um, but it was just it was it was just that time. But I met um, this guy Andre Walton and Fabian Kravitz, who were two other skiers, and they were just oh, you should come stay at their house down in uh, Garden Grove. So then they let me crash on their couch for a while, and then in that period there was a, a street contest in Huntington Beach, and then that's when um, I finally kind of worked out that I've only got a dollar left in my wallet, and oh. I had no money and no return win. or anything, and then. Uh, and then I saw Brad Dorfman there, and I, was, I asked him. He's the owner of Vision yeah. Sims, and I asked him if he could, if he's got any jobs in the warehouse or anything. Since I'm a professional warehouser from my English experience, uh-huh. but yeah, he got me the job at, at, at Vision Warehouse or whatever, and I was just working there and skating as much as I could, and yeah, it was pretty cool. But yeah. and then, I used to and get th- stuff at that outlet later, a few years later. That's. This was before. This is when yeah. It was I mean, on 15th I'm saying Street. a little. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is like when it was like really small. And Paul Schmidt just came out from Florida with the Schmidt sticks okay. and started doing all the wood. Uh, Chuck Holtz. Yeah. And um, John Grigley. So I used to work with John Grigley in the warehouse. But that's a good example of pro skateboarding back then. Is like everyone was still working because there was no money in skateboarding. So John Grigley was right there packing skateboards with me. You know, and John was a top vert skater and pioneering street skater. You know, so it's like one of those things that that's kind of the level. But it was pretty funny because they started entering that amateur contest and I, I was pretty, doing really bad at all the con- not I mean, it's, I was getting like seventh and eighth right, in the contest because uh-huh. I didn't really have it worked out. But then uh, John Grigley came up to me. He's like, yeah, I talked to Brad Norman. He said, if you win the next three amateur contests, Brad said it's Tony pro. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And I don't know how, but I won the next three contests. Really? And then I went back to John. You know, this is probably six months or nine months later or whatever. So I told John, I was like, hey, I just won the three concerts. He's like, oh, shit. I was only joking. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so then, uh, oh, then he shit. goes, but shit, you just won. I should probably, I'm good. He felt bad. So he went and talked to Brad Dorfman, and then it happened. And then they gave me a, a pro skateboard for Vision for, for freestyle. So that was pretty cool. I mean, that was pretty amazing. Do you know what I mean? That that happened. Because, again, uh, it was never planned. <laughs> Yeah, it's no, that's cool. That's rad. Yeah. I know, I know his. I knew his brother in high school. Uh, we partied. Gregley? No, Dorfman. Oh, Dorfman. Oh, wow. Um, Cliff. Wow. So, uh, but he would steal boards from his brother and sell them. Wow. But uh, that's crazy. But uh, yeah, but that was yeah. I, I'm gonna be quiet. I am um, <laughs> really old. I was really young. Um, I was in high school. <laughs> I, was, I was a punk rocker then. Um, Jeff Phillips picks you up. He helps get you on Sims, obviously, which happens, and then you become you get picked up on uh, Vision. Yeah. You know, um, from Dorfman. Uh, Phillips is this in this year's inductees as Hall of Fame. What 
you know, obviously a lot of people didn't have the opportunity to meet him. I didn't. Um, I know of his skating and the impact he made. You personally did. What, you know, what few words would you say about about Jeff? He's he's just a really legit human being, like a re- the real deal. I mean, he really he cared about the people around him. He ripped, but didn't really care. You know I mean, he was just doing his own thing. It was just, he was by far he's definitely one of the best skateboarders ever. I mean, it's probably a little late to go into the, the Hall of Fame. I was thinking that as well. so good and just amazing style, amazing. I know everything he did was good, and good sense of humor, just amazing human being. You know? Right on. Yeah, yeah I just, I mean, because you didn't know him. Now I have a couple um, couple of words. I do this. I cr- uh, grab I some. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, who do you want to start with? Do you want to start I'm, with the bad ones? No. I hope he's not the tax man. No, um, I didn't. They didn't get back to me. I didn't. I didn't. They didn't get back to me. They want to know about the <laughs> 1989 where that money went <laughs> that you'd never claimed. It was actually the English. Oh, yeah. um, well, and you, you are also okay. Well, we're going to start off silly then because you, I've been advised uh, that you. I was going to ask about uh, those France etnies, and we haven't even talked about etnies yet. Those France etnies uh, dinner parties. Um, but I'm not going to ask about that. But I, I do know that you like or you did like to put furniture and things into elevators. Um, back in the day, yeah, it's a um, place to put an elevator, uh, the, way I look at it. the furniture and plants from the lobby. Um, mm-hmm. Also a habit of throwing beds out of windows. No, that doesn't sound like me either. Um, and then you can you have the ability to run across the top of parked cars. Well, maybe. Sean Sheffield tell you about that one. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> you weren't sent back on the plane by the whole girl team, though. No. Okay. No, All right. So I that's wish, that. There's you, you wish it and showed right back up. Oh my God. <laughs> You're bringing back memories. Holy shit. Um, no, but I, uh, I, before Etnies, Etnies, or actually, kind of right around the same time of, um, you know, you, you, you helped really build this brand. Um, I mean, I know you and Pierre, but. Your touch with getting these skaters on these teams. Like, Be careful what you say about touching. Me too, a catch. I, I can't say that anymore. <laughs> what word do I say? Uh, what's another word? What's a good uh, thesaurus? Come here. Be my thesaurus right now, Don. Um, Been there for skaters. You have, and you have. You <laughs> once again, you have that Midas touch. No, um, he doesn't have a Midas touch. But you have the ability. You have. You you have created some of the best teams in skateboarding, and different teams, and helped. You know, I mean, I think of America was like the gnarliest Hesh skaters. Um, I think of Etnies is just like a premium group of fucking skaters. Pardon my language. Um, S the elite. Um, you helped. You you branded these these teams mm-hmm. um did you and pierre have a, a, a vision um a mission on kind of making this happen or did it sort of happen organically um it's it's really organically through the the friendships that we have but it's again to say so just kind of rewinding a little bit is just because when skateboarding came to a, a really harsh end in like 1990 mm-hmm. it, it's not like it was just like oh there's a transition where you get to see pros today where they're like oh i can cut, keep milking this for a while and it's just like see how, how long i can get paycheck even though i'm not really skating we were all skating hard and skating just Die. vert and freestyle overnight was done it's finished and everyone's like shit and and visions pal santa cruz were all struggling vision went out of business you know been bankrupt it was just like kind of gnarly um so it just stopped <laughs> pretty much and then that's when it was actually a really exciting part of, of skating going forward from there because Steve Rocco created what I called the skater owned movement mm-hmm. before it was like the big five it was Vision, Santa Cruz, Powell, Thrasher and Transworld that, that really controlled skateboarding and then you know when it all imploded this whole amazing new growth of new faces and people and brands came out of it with a new anarchic kind of mentality which to me is that rawness about what skateboarding is about it's just not giving a shit and just having fun um but yeah so i'm trying to think where i backtracked to and then the oh the teams the the, the brand so then well, i was and i, I, and I did I, and so i did a rick real quick yeah, so, you know but 
So, so based on that, I went back. So I started working at a skate shop at uh, HB, right under the, the HB Pier, where I used to skate all the time. And then one day I saw Pierre, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing the Etnies brand. I need some help. And so I was like, well, sure, yeah, I'll help you out. He's a friend, do you know what I mean? And, and that's when I started working with Pierre, and it's like I had the contacts with with a, a really large network from the – I'd done demos around the world with different retailers or distributors. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the new distributors became – they were actually – the actual freestylers pr- pretty much took over the whole industry and started owning all the distribution around the world. It's kind of this weird thing. And Rocco, obviously, with World Industry, Plan B, Big Brother, Ghetto Child, like all this stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's like I already had those friendships, so it was easy to, for me to just talk to, to Rocco or Rodney or any of these guys and go, hey, who's killing it right now? Oh, Day One Song, here's some shoes. Or like, oh, shit, Nazis, here's some shoes. Like, Rudy Johnson, here's some shoes. Or... You know, this whole like pretty much was hooking up the whole world crew as that was all growing, and then um, we had foundation. So you know, I, again, Todd Swank from Dalmades, like, he had foundation, all that stuff going on. So it was easy for me to say, "Hey, who have you got coming up?" It's like, "Oh, Heath Kutchard or Josh Beagle or Jerry Fowler," and this is like, "Hey, here's some shoes." And then um, who else is there? Um, you've obviously got the the Fibre guys on the East Coast. You got the it was just Which that whole and it, oh group. the New Deal so yeah, Steve New Douglas deal. Yeah. Steve Douglas and Paul Schmidt again Paul Schmidt I live with so it's like they started uh, the New Deal and Element all that so that same deal I had Gorm Bobberg, um the Swedish artist mm-hmm. um, and that, well actually I say artist but he's one, one of the top European skateboarders in the 90s but he lived at my house on the couch for the longest time so it's like that natural connection right so it's something it's like it's just like hey who do we need to hook up almost because you can't be everywhere and it's like there was so much energy coming through skateboarding then that I'll just be talking to my friends and, and like even Pear Wellender, you know, mm-hmm. Blitz. I hey, who's killing who's it right killing? now? And then hey, Andrew Reynolds, this little kid in Florida, you know, he's young and rides Airwalk right now. I'll be just send him some shoes and so I'd send him some. Because those Airwalk shoes smell. <laughs> like exactly. Aaron used to have those, but yeah. And then the other one was um, Chris and, Ortiz. Yeah. Was the photographer um, for, and filmer for Four and One mm-hmm. and Trans World and all that, and he. There's another one that like, he helped us so much. Where it'd be like, hey, I, the, I just, it was kind of just, I guess I was, maybe I was kind of smart back then, not like now, but it was easy to just work with your friends to like, hey, who's killing it? Like Skin Phillips, like, who's killing it? Bryce Knights, who's killing it? And these guys would be like, oh, Mark Johnson. And so, it's like, do you know what I mean? It was all coming in just through the, na- the, the natural friendship. And they were in the beauty of, of the, the early 90s, there wasn't any money in skateboarding. So it was purely through friendship, Airwalk Vans, um, and simple were all kind of done pretty much and they were all scrambling to try and find anyone other than a skateboard to buy this stuff to make real money mm-hmm. so it's just we were the only real skate shoe brand there so everyone just loved us and luckily and then we just kind of grew it from there and so it was pretty easy to be honest to like create a team back then versus what it is today yeah. but um well no and let and you're you know this is a very special time and i feel so fortunate that this is really when i skated as well um I mean, with street skating is we would skate these mini malls and skating Huntington High before there was a, a park there, yeah. you know, and skating TSA ramp, which was a little later. That was like in 93, 94, I think, yeah. um, or the in-flight demos. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it was, it, there wasn't a lot of money in skateboarding mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, or Volcom ramp, the Volcom little mini, tiny mini ramp, you know, um, in 93. You know, like skating, and this is a little bit later, but kind of around because I remember going with John Kuhn and before even Turdy Park was there. But then when Turdy Park was there, the little ashtray that mm-hmm. they built, yeah. um, still there, yeah, the first skate park, I mean, in that area for, I mean, um, and uh, going by Etnies because uh, he also worked there to grab some shoes. Um, so I remember taking him driving, and I think I don't know if it was you or someone came out and gave him some shoes or something, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. it was just. Yeah, it was, it was like a really amazing time back then because it was like this whole new rebirth of skateboarding because we would have been kind of stuck with the big five for so long. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it was like pure anarchy and it was just skateboarders like on their skateboarder level. And not and none of us really knew what the hell we were doing, but it was working whatever we were doing. And that was the beauty of it. And that's where Pierre, when he started doing the shoes, it was just like most people at that time Pierre's like an amazing person this genius like engineer and just really passionate and committed to things and specifically skateboarding and designing things and making better products and stuff and he 
not no no other brands could really work out how the hell do you make shoes that's like a big thing to you know to invest and design and manufacture and distribute shoes you know more than you even realize like hard like skateboard yeah anyone can slap a graphic on a board well each but size each size you need another you need a, a sole exactly and which costs it you know exactly. an enormous amount of money yeah so big props to pf for being the first you know skate owned yeah. brand out there totally. and i've been stoked to, to to work with them ever since for over like 28 years now i think it is doing what we love you know it's pretty rad it's it's rad it's rad that you've been because you've you've touched you you won't touch i'm not he's not going <laughs> to touch i'm not going to say don does not touch he is uh he breathes i should say um you know on that era uh i reached out to ed templeton on that apartment that you had and uh he he used to let me into his apartment as a punky little skate grom to look at this at the stack of skate mags and the smiths would be playing that's hence why i played the smiths um i went in wide-eyed and tried to soak it all in his kindness to me was big i have always appreciated that him and hayes lingard lindgren were the best Hazi. Hazi, pardon Hazi me. Lingen. Oh, I, oh that's why I'm like. Hazi Lingen, yeah, freestyle guy. So um, my brain farted. Sorry about <laughs> that. Um, I've got another. Also, I've been told that you have some, you had potential to become a pro auto walk surfer. Uh, Ronnie Krieger uh, reached out. What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't so, know what it is. But it... Uh, Ronnie said, I do, I do know that he's super good at auto walk surfing i first saw him years ago crafting his skill on on the first s trips with the team we were at the airport waiting for our flights to australia i think i turned around and don standing straight up balancing all the way down the flat escalator security was much lighter back then but it was awesome to see he could have gone pro (laughs) i meant a pro auto walk surfer the auto walks are uh, like flat escalators oh, for like a, a, airports. Also, <laughs> I was like, what's an auto walk? I was like, is that when I walk over cars? Because that was San Diego. But so maybe no. you could be like on... Um, you mean auto, not auto. I got to speak, teach you English, like real English. Uh, tomato, tomato? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you could like be the, the first sheep, auto like um, pro auto walk. Aren't they like people movers? That's, isn't that what it is? <laughs> they are I've never even heard anyone say it's an auto, auto walker. That was from Ronnie. It it's, like not, a, it's, a, it's an easy thing, maybe. It sounds like a pro skateboarder from Finland or something. Auto uh, walker. <laughs> I didn't get back. Arthur didn't get back to me. <laughs> you know, Ed, Ed's, Ed's, Ed Templeton's an amazing person. And that, that's the thing that I love about being in skateboarding for so many years. It's just this richness of friendship that you've built throughout the years of people that like even today, like I, I look at Ryan Shackler, do you know what I mean? That he's just, I gave him shoes when he was seven mm-hmm. and just this little kid that no one knew, do you know what I mean? But he gave him shoes and now I'm looking at him, he's got wrinkles. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? Like, yeah. That must mean, how come I'm getting younger and all these guys are getting older? It's kind of weird. It's but no, it's just weird. But it's amazing to just see people grow up and see in the different directions of that people can go and there's been a lot of people that I think everyone out there has seen people come up through skateboarding and they're the most talented skateboarders ever and they somehow just drop off and go in a different direction and but it's amazing to see the people have stuck through it throughout the years and they're still as passionate today as they are you know when they first started yeah no it, it is or, or to see how their careers have sort of morphed to yeah. um you know Mikey Taylor was in last week and so and having watched him, you know, in his early years, like the cities before, you know, city stars, before city stars at Slam City Jam. And, yeah. you know, I think uh, before city stars and, uh, you know, I mean, of just in watching these guys grow into husbands and fathers and business owners, it's, it's pretty rad. Yeah. It's really I mean, rad. even Mikey Taylor, I remember him coming in with P-Rod and yeah. like Spanky and. Yeah. Like, and that was, Spanky was his, those guys were his crew or yeah, Spanky whole, grew up right by him, you know? Yeah. Um, now. And, um, I do want well, and uh, I reached out to uh, Kelly Hart as well, and he had some nice words for you. That guy's sketchy. <laughs> he said nice Just things. He's the best. He didn't tell say anything about the elevators. Oh no, he's, he doesn't know. Uh, he might know. He's too young to know. <laughs> <laughs> he's seen the worm. We, we did. <laughs> he's seen the worm. Uh, Don is literally hands down one of the best and funniest dudes I've ever been around. When you're in the office or outside the office, he's literally the same exact guy. Always cracking jokes and incredibly smart. I don't know how he finds the things he does in the wild when shooting photos or videos on his phone. 
We will talk about that if we have any time. Uh, he always makes me laugh. Even when I frustrated, I'm frustrated about something, he creates a great and relaxing environment wherever you are with him. I'm more honored to call him a friend and a my boss. He's done so many great things for me and for skateboarding as a whole. Love the dude, and I know, and I don't know how he does those tough guy sh- shots. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was a you're, and I we're gonna have to have you hit on. I'm not gonna let you even absorb that. No, um, your five top apps because you do have the best wit. And you shared, a, while we were driving both in traffic today to get here, uh, you shared uh, one of the apps. Yeah, Waze. Waze. And the, but then, you know, I mean, again, we, there's a, you, I think most people know what Waze is apart from you because you didn't. <laughs> and that's why I got here 15 minutes earlier than you. But it's the beauty of knowing where the police are. But even more beautiful is being able to tag a policeman when you see them and then letting everyone else behind you know that they're there. So that's what lets me drive in the carpool lane solo, like I did today, okay. to beat you. <laughs> I've been doing it for years and never been caught, so I don't know. But um, the way Waze is good for sure, like the random one. Yeah, and uh, well, and then we talk about, and I can't even pronounce the name of the app, but uh, I can <laughs> Plot- spell it. <laughs> My phone will spell it. Plotograph. 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 But Instagram, you have the most incredible. Random, stupid. No, it's uh, I'm always I always laugh. It's always beautiful shots. There's always some really funny, witty element to it. Um, and I know that it probably just is instant for you. Uh, I don't think you spend maybe you do maybe you spend like five hours. You have like an entire marketing plan of what you're going to do on social media. But I don't believe so. I no. think it's just real organic and it just comes out. And it's it's amazing. That's funny. No, you do. And, I, and, well, I, it's kind of and Kelly like, mentioned that as well. Like, well, it's random because it's like something that. Uh, I've always kind of liked photography and like I used to like try and carry a camera around with me and it was just stupid because it was just heavy and stuff and just what am I doing? Like I don't even know what I'm doing. And then you have a phone that you can like just, I, I, I like to like when I have something, I'd like to master it so then I can, so I can do things in a couple of minutes. Well, people definitely think that I spend like all day like trying to do, st- like no. create this stuff or think through it and just like, oh shit, like there's a, there's a street sign outside called Dick's. <laughs> I, was just like, I was like, I don't know if a lot of people see that and think it's funny, but it's just like DIX, and this is like just stupid shit like that. You know what I mean, no, that's what but I think. That, right that comes across. That, I think though, is that it's all very, it's right yeah. off the cusp. Yeah. It's not thought out. And then right, right by there, there's there's the Hollywood sign, right? And then you've got like the holly, and you can crop the the wood. The, yeah, you can crop the holly out, and you've got dicks <laughs> with, with wood. And it's just like to me, that's like, but it's like. I'm just a, a, an eternal kid, you know what I mean? I'm like uh, pretty childish, so I just see stupid stuff, and I just, I just post that stuff. And I'm always thinking that people are probably like, "What the fuck is this guy doing? Doesn't he have a job or something? Doesn't he have to sling shoes or something?" No, it, but it's, it's just, a, but it's just I like to see. I just see. I like to see the the irony and the, the weird shit that's in the world that most people don't really. I guess they don't really see. Or I, I do, but it's, so I think I think for us who do see it, probably get more out of it than others. <laughs> Some people are like, "What is going on?" Um, no, it's always really refreshing, and they're always beautiful images, and it's always hilarious. You saved a bird. Well, no, you didn't, didn't save, save a bird. It. You just reported it to the uh, wild <laughs> wild parks because you found the bird in pieces. But but again, you know, like you went and you you looked up because it did have a ring on it. Um, the four hundred five freeway. We have to address. Uh, <laughs> You um, that you are that crazy guy who did the, who was on the skated on the 405. I talked to uh, Lori B, and because I know Lori was there as well, and uh, she said he was determined and it, he was determined and it was well planned. Don had plans within plans, backup plans. <laughs> Even after one of the guys got pulled over by the cops for going too slow, there was a plan to regroup, which we did and tried again. Once he was out there in the road, it was like he didn't see anything else, including the car that kept on going and blew <laughs> past him, uh, the guy in the muscle car. Yeah. Um, and so we stopped and blocked semi-trucks, and they actually honked in enjoyment watching him. In a few words, what was that? Those moments, what were those moments like? Well, it was, it was so it was kind of funny because it was kind of random. Just, I'm part of the IASC Association. I'm chairman of the board of IASC, which is International Association of Skateboard Companies. Just, just the industry to kind of get together and look out for the betterment of skateboarding and, and try and make sure it's like we're all on the same path again. It's something that we don't. When we go there, we don't. Um, we don't go there with a brand. 
level, we just go there with skateboarders and talk about the bigger picture of skateboarding and what mm-hmm. we got to do to help it. So I created a day called Go Skateboarding Day that can be enjoyed and it wasn't a branded event. Um, so it's just something that I just felt that there's days for like National Dog Day or just weird shit out there on cameras. And I was like, well, we should probably have a day for skateboarding. Um, around that time, I, it, I, I, I sent a fax to in the, in the early 90s to like the industry and customation and said, hey, let's all get together and go skate to the pier together because we're all busy, so busy these days. We're not getting to skate enough together. And we got probably about 15, 20 people between like Volcom and Channel One and Acme and all the brands that are local. Um, and we um, just skated to the pier and back. And that was the first level of where we started to, uh, I, I felt that there was something there where we can do this kind of big critical mass kind of thing with skateboarding and game one together. And then I had this idea of like taking over a freeway for a day, but I wanted to like have thousands of kids take over a freeway. So there was just like, it just took over and it becomes like this big press thing. And then it helps like say like, hey, like Sunny, that's all on every news thing. like. 5,000 skateboarders take over the freeway, you know what I mean? But then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, I don't want to be responsible for a little kid that gets hit. And then it was like, in my mind, I, I remember for a couple of years it went by, and I kept, but it kept sitting to me like I still want to do that, but I don't know how. And then it was like the image of like uh, Tiananmen Square, like the, the guy holding up the tanks. Mm-hmm. It became that, that thought of like how no one would really run a human being over, just like a horse won't intentionally step on a person if they fall off mm-hmm. they literally go out of their way to not run over a person so I figured that way so I was like okay I'll just do it myself so if I get hit it doesn't really matter if no one's going to miss me but then um, so yeah so we just basically yeah. randomly just I actually had a full powerpoint and a whole plan that we went through with everyone um, of how we're going to do it and it was pretty amazing we got like 15 people to like basically domino over it and, and basically take the freeway from like 75 miles an hour down to, you know, 50, 40, 35. And I had a full, like, stopping point where everyone had to stop in a line. And I just got out of the car and skated. And and even the escape route was really perfect because it's underneath the bridge, Bear Bridge in Costa Mesa. And then you could run up, and there was, weirdly enough, a hole in the in the fence. Uh-huh, you could run, run through out. the fence. I had a, literally had a different color shirt on, so I threw the shirt in the bushes, uh-huh. cap in the bushes. Uh-huh. So I had a completely different shirt. Once you get to the top, underneath the bridge, onto the street, it's all downhill, so you could just like gun it down the hill and then we just met everyone at the brewery right there and just had beer and then Skin Phillips was full undercover like full like camouflage guy it was amazing seeing him but he ended up um, just capturing the right like he's the best photographer I, mean, I couldn't have asked for a yeah. picture of what he captured so. no it was amazing it was amazing it still is amazing you know <laughs> it's just uh, and uh, shoot, and we I we're running out of time. Oh, shit. Um, I told you it would go fast. I we know, won't be able right? to even hit with so many things we wanted I to know. do. Um, but I do, you know. Thank you. We've been trying. Oh, we've been trying you. to make this happen for a while, and uh, with with the schedules, and uh, I really appreciate you making the time. And it came together all last minute. And um, thank you. No, really appreciate it, Don. I'm so grateful to call you a friend. You're, and so grateful for what you have done you know, with skateboarding and keeping it real. and uh, Likewise. I mean, it's the same. I mean, I look at you, the same. It's, you've been here forever doing because you love it, you know, yeah. and that you're here for the right reasons, and those are the people that I, I really appreciate in this world, so thank you. Right on. Thanks. Yeah, now I need to pay rent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, yeah. We get, we're giving our shoes at the homeless, like uh, the, on uh, Good Friday coming up at Easter. Oh, you are? Okay, yeah, where? So if you need to pay rent and you can't find it, you can, I can find your place uh, at the mission <laughs> down in L.A. And I get Well, some no, shoes. and then so so people in for the homeless right now, so that's happening this this Good Friday. Yep, this uh, Good Friday we're going to be giving it. We've given 50,000 shoes to the homeless. Wow. So we're going to continue doing that. It's so amazing. It's a really good feeling to give back to the, to the people in need. No, it's and 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 Arbor Day, you guys kind of over yeah. over. What is it, a million and a half now? Yeah, or uh, how done many? About, we've done about one. Po- we planted about one point eight million trees, wow. and we're on target for um, two million. And we're going to just keep planting more and more trees and make the world a better place for future generations. Oh, you rule! You're amazing, Don, uh, and in what you guys are doing. And you know, so again, if uh, if you are, uh, if you know someone in need um, at the homeless, uh, Good Friday. Etnies will be giving some shoes out to those in need. Um, so please maybe help get some people there that maybe need it. Um, or uh, And just thanks so much for what you guys do and keeping it, keeping skateboarding, skateboarding. Hell yeah. That's you know, it should be. Um, you rule. Keep it so, real. Thank you, Don. And I want to thank Ed. I want to thank uh, Ed Templeton, Lori Bergthal, Kelly Hart, 
Ronnie Krieger, uh, Justin Regan, um, for uh, some words uh, for you guys for tuning in. Uh, coming up next week, um, I've got uh, Hard Knocks, Cleveland Browns, former Cleveland Browns player. Um, as uh, the season is going to be uh, first, first practices in the NFL are next week, or first time the guys have to report. Um, so he pretty much was America's sweetheart, Devin Kajust. Um, he was released from the Browns. However, he's become kind of an inspirational speaker. He's got a really good message. Um, Kelly Hart, May 7th, uh, coming up in the next six weeks. Christian Hasoy, Cab will be back, The Nuge, Ryan Gallant, Serena Morales, the Van, uh, Rams reporter, Kirk Morrison, Steve Weiss from NFL Network, Julia Ladai, and Isaac Rochelle from the Chargers, uh, and hopefully uh, Chargers GM uh, Tom Telesco and DC, Gus Bradley potentially coming up, and more coverage of the Chargers and more skaters coming up, and Rams coverage this year. So make sure to follow the Desiree Show um, and at Desiree underscore Astorga on Instagram and Twitter uh, for uh, coming up sh- coming up guests and for some behind-the-scenes stuff. And if you're not following Don Brown, make sure to follow Don Brown. It is a phenomenal follow. Don't and, do it. And watch his stories. Block me. And uh, thanks so much, you guys, for tuning in. This is the Desiree Show, and I'm out.